Welcome back to Puzzles of Potter. This week we are diving right back into chapter 22 as we finish it out. Thank you for coming back and enjoying this with us and enjoy listening to chapter 22 part 2. But, and then we kind of like get into like the bond that Pettigrew now has with Harry. Because Harry spared his life. <laughs> oh. And... Dumbledore kind of talks about how, like, Pettigrew owes his life to Harry. Um, and that, you know what, you, like, he, he's probably going to go up to Voldemort, but Voldemort now has a deputy who's in your debt. And how that creates a, like, a certain bond. And he's just like, I don't think Voldemort's going to really want a servant who's in your debt. <laughs> yeah. I also think this whole thing is very interesting because, I don't know, I just, because of how it all plays out, I just, I don't like it um, for a couple of reasons. It just kind of feels like... Yes, he did a noble thing, and he owes his life to you, but the way it plays out is weird. Like, it just... Because he talks later about, this is magic at its deepest and most impenetrable, which um, my note on that one was basically, like, uh, was a Narnia reference, because it reminded me of the conversation um, between uh, the White Witch and Aslan, mm-hmm. where he's like, don't lecture me on the deep magic. I was there when it was written. So it sounds like it's this really deep, incredible thing, and it's just like, oh, he hesitates, but he hesitates with the with the Voldemort hand, so he yeets himself. Like, yeah. <laughs> don't love that. But I also think that this part of the conversation is where too much energy lies. I feel like the conversation should have been more about focused on like what it means that Lupin and Sirius were willing to kill Pettigrew and that they did it. And because that's a really complicated thing to process and understand. Mary's 13. He definitely needs more help processing that than why it's important that we, that it didn't, happen and beyond like hey you know he owes his life to you like you saved a person's life that shows me that your priorities are around life and hope and people that means that your priorities aren't around vengeance and hate and that's how it's important to focus on who you want to be as a person and not the actions of other people because what you can control is who you are, and you yeah. cannot control the choices they make. And instead, it's around this like deep magic thing that doesn't really add up later. <laughs> Don't like it. I know, like especially because like because like Pettigrew eats himself and then ends up killing himself <sighs> mm-hmm. because of this bond. And I'm just like, so because he could like because he phys- like he couldn't kill Harry. And I'm just like that. It couldn't have just been a he physically can't kill Harry because Harry saved his life. No, like. <laughs> Yeah, and, like, the other thing is that doesn't feel like magic. That feels like emotions. That feels like empathy. That feels like a connection in all the normal muggle ways. 
And maybe he's trying to insinuate that, like, connection is the deepest form of magic. But I don't know. I don't enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, it is an odd mm-hmm. choice. And then he kind of rounds it out with this conversation about how Harry's dead. And he said, I know I knew your father very well, both at Hogwarts and later Harry. And I feel like this is painting a picture of ruined opportunity. Because this means that, like, we have somebody who knew Harry's dad very well. Mm-hmm. But in an unbiased way, a lot of what we get about Harry's dad is praise from his friends and disdain from his enemies. Yeah. But, like, we have this really incredible unbiased person who knew Harry's dad well. Mm-hmm. Who could have talked about both the light and the dark sides of James and... Harry never gets that, and that's tragic. Yeah. Yeah, he just kind of gets these polar opposite views. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and thinks more, like, goes, obviously leans towards the more, like, positive views of his father. Because, one, they're more positive, and two, the person who's saying the awful things about his father is someone he also dislikes. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and then Harry is really supportive of Harry in his moment of feeling bad because he thought he saw his dad mm-hmm. and Dumbledore's like, that's an easy mistake to make. Um, and then I love this little bit of a conversation we get between Harry and Dumbledore around death. And so he says, sorry, he says, do you think the dead we have loved ever truly leave us? You think that we don't, don't recall them more clearly than ever in times of great trouble. Your father is alive in you, Harry, and shows himself most plainly when you have need of him. How else could you have produced that particular Patronus? Prongs wrote again last night. And I really love this because, so one thing that I love about it is this idea of carrying those we love inside us or like in in a part of our soul Mm -hmm. in that place that we go when we need it. And we need them. And I like it so much better than, like, kind of the angel theory or, like, the idea that we get later with the um, death stone. Where, like, those who love us, like, literally never truly leave us. And they're just, like, there when we flip over the death stone. Because, like, I love the people I've lost so much. But I don't want them to, like, constantly be watching over me. Like, I don't need my dead grandparents around well, I'm going to the bathroom. Or, like, having intimate moments. Like, and if they're just angels or they just pop in and out sometimes, like, how how do they know that not to pop in during inappropriate times? Whereas, like, having them in the space in our soul where we can choose to tap into where they are seems way more poetic to me. Yes. And I, I always kind of envision the stone working a different way, not so much as, like, allowing you to see the dead around you, but mm-hmm. more, like, summoning them. See, that's kind of how I did, too. And then, like, sometimes I get, like, the way it's presented in the movie is, like, we never really left you. Like, we've yeah. always been here. So I kind of think about it both ways. And, I mean, mm-hmm. like, if you sat there and we look at it from that lens, like, oh, we never truly left you because we're part of you. <laughs> yeah, Maybe. Maybe we'll we'll just keep it in that lens because it's way less creepy. Yes. <laughs> less. <laughs> and then Harry realizes that uh, Dumbledore just used uh, James's nickname. So yep. he's like, uh, what? Yeah. 
<laughs> do you know something that I didn't think you knew? Right. And you're just like, oh, yeah, like, Sirius did tell me, like, all about it last night. And he's just like, it really was an extraordinary achievement. It's like, especially because they're like, I didn't know about it. <laughs> Which is incredible. Right. Because, and, like, for a couple of reasons. Because it brings us back to that comment Harry made in the first book about it about him feeling like Dumbledore's kind of um, omnipotent about the things mm-hmm. going on at Hogwarts. Um, obviously he's not, because that's not a real thing people can be, but it's the closest description. Right, and I, I like, he's obviously not, but he's as close to omnipotent as you can get, as anybody can get. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, that just kind of takes it up a whole another notch of like level of respect for those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Three boys who sat there and spent the better part of like three years <laughs> learning and doing what they needed to do to become animagus, mm-hmm. animagi, and succeeding without anybody knowing. <laughs> yeah, and then like Dumbledore eloquently brings the conversation back and he's like, he brings up the Quidditch match against Ravenclaw. And he's like, it was really incredible to see that particular form out of your wand at the Quidditch match. So it was corporeal at the Quidditch match, so everybody knows what it is. <laughs> and then he said you found him inside yourself, which love that. And then, so then next we kind of just like skip forward and it's like talks about how no one really knew the truth except those who were there. Mm-hmm. How Malfoy was really, really mad that <laughs> he got away. Yes. And like especially that they they think Hagrid like smuggled him out of there and that they were outwitted by Hagrid like makes them even more angry, which I'm just like, that's Yep. But I also think it's kind of like interesting since it's like one, I don't think really ha- like Hagrid has it in him to sit there and like really like lie or like be that like that deceitful. Yeah, he's terrified about going back to Azkaban. Like he talked about the fact that he thought about it, but like he couldn't Right, he didn't want to go back to Azkaban. Yeah. Like, Hagrid is, like, one of the, like, most honest people, like, <laughs> we're, like one of the most honest adults we get, ha- like, have in this series. Absolutely. And so, like, it's funny that they think that, that he's capable of doing something mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> then we kind of get to Percy about how, like, he has a lot to say about Sirius's escape and... If he gets to get, if he manages to get into the ministry, he's going to make lots of proposals. (laughs) All right. And I want to stop on this comment because it strikes me funny a little bit every time. And it's probably partly my bias against Percy. (laughs) And I'm going to own that before I like go down my tizzy of a tangent. When you go somewhere, you can't just be like, oh, I have a new job and I'm going to criticize everybody who's worked at this job for a long time. Like, Like you have to strike the balance of watching and learning and asking critical questions especially as like somebody who's kind of low on the totem pole the best way to make change is to ask questions not to be like well here's all the changes i as an unexperienced person who just walked in made because it's really important to acknowledge the fresh perspective that new eyes can bring to something but it's also important not to to make sure you're not invalidating the work and the care that's been put in by everybody else. Right. Especially because, like, you're new, and, like, before you saw it from the, an outside lens, so, like, you don't understand why certain decisions were made. Exactly. Like, the behind some of them. Like, and I hate this vibe that he gives off here. Like, if you were going to be perf- perfect 
Percy Prefect, man. Like, it's about finding the balance. Mm -hmm. It's about supporting and asking questions and being a good person and employee, not just, like, going in there with, here's how I would change the world. Right. But also, to be fair, Percy's 17, and that's how we think the world works at 17. Well, and I mean, like... Also, like, it says a lot. A personality like that isn't always, like, especially if, like, you go in, like, just, like, saying stuff like that. Like, when you're, like, you're interviewing or something, like, odds are you might not get hired if you're sitting there saying, ah, these are all the changes I, I, I would make without knowing any of the background or the... <laughs> yeah, I was just sitting on the interview committee for my new principal, and one of the things that, like, there was a couple of questions on there that were, like, designed to, like, highlight some red flags. And one of them that I, they didn't confirm this because like none of, none of the people we interviewed out of six fell down this rabbit hole. But like one of the questions was about like, what would you do to help improve? I think it was like school culture or like whatever it was, but it was like, you know, what's, what would your plan be? And all of them, the way they handled it is like, well, it depends on like the school and like the things, but here's some things that I've done before that have worked. And here's some ideas that I've heard of. Um, but a lot of it was like, first I'd have to listen. First I'd have to understand where we're at as a community. Mm-hmm. And then it would be going into some of these things and some of these really genuine ideas. So, you know, it's an important thing to think about. Like, you can't just fall into that trap of, hey – well, here's all the things that I'm going to do and implement before I've met anybody or really understood anything about the school. Right. I know. Like, that that comment kind of reminded me of, like, the interview I sat on for one of the new, like, a new teacher at our school in one of the interviews. There was this person who came in and was, like, super confident. And we're like, all right, we're like, you know, we can kind of dig it. But it was kind of, like, almost like Percy were, like, confident to, like, a fault mm-hmm. to where this candidate was talking about how they were very, like, data-driven and how that they would, like, do that, like, they do this and this, and then, like, when we're in our, like, what would you do in these certain, like, situations, it was like, oh, I'm going to do this. And we're like, well, what if that doesn't work? And it's just like, well, it's going to work. Because <laughs> it's, it's this, it, it works now. Like, it's going to work. hmm And, um... It just kind of, like, really struck out, like, stuck out to us because we're just like, so this person is really rigid Mm -hmm. in their thinking, which is not something we need. We need someone to be flexible and be compassionate because what we could perceive this candidate doing is just, like, if their their process for solving problems, like student problems, isn't working, it's just going to be just to kind of keep hammering at them instead of, like, working with the kid to solve the problem. (laughs) That just reminded me of. Yes. Percy never worked with children. Um, and now then we get to focus a little bit on, like, how the response to Lupin leaving is going mm-hmm. and how the entire Gryffindor in Harry's class, which I think is, like, all the Gryffindors in his year. Yeah. And I don't think it's a double class. I think it's just the Gryffindors are so. really well, sad. The Gryffindor, um, I think they paired with – they might have paired with Slytherin. Oh, not for this one, no. No? Are you sure? Yeah, that was only in the movie. Oh. Um, no, it was, just, it was just Gryffindors. Okay, so Harry was just randomly hearing Malfoy complain about Lupin? 
Yeah, in the hallways. In the hall. Okay. Okay. I'm just I'm misremembering that right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the exam results come in for everybody, which is really re- silly because that OWL ones later you see them not coming until like right before the end of like before the new school year. A little inconsistent, but everybody did well on their exams. Mm-hmm. And Harry's kind of surprised because like Saint is really still really really angry. Yeah. <laughs> um. Flexing his fingers as though itching to place them around Harry's throat. Like, Dumby, get your teacher some therapy. Yes. Or, like, get him away from this child. I don't know why you let him remain on campus for the rest of the semester. You should have given this man some time off. Yeah. (laughs) Don't like that. Yeah. So they kind of celebrate, you know, getting their results, and we kind of then skip to the... Them all getting back on the Hogwarts Express and Hermione kind of shares, I'm dropping mobile studies. I can't do this again. <laughs> Before we get there, oh, sure, I think the house championship is hilarious. <laughs> because the kids are like all in on this house cup, like yep. every year. Yep. And like the whole thing is they get to eat their final meal in their, like with surrounded by their house colors. Yep. Like that's. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. It doesn't take much for children. <laughs> no, like it's so relatable. Like that's yeah, that's that's all it is, and that's all they need it to be. And I think it's hilarious. Hilarious, yeah, hilarious, and very, very true. I don't know how many times I've been able to get children to go like be totally on board and do something I want mm-hmm. with the promise of something small. Like I've had children who like beg me to clean my room. Because then they they ask me for a sucker, like a little dumb dumb sucker. That's it. Because I have like hundred of them, and I'm like, yeah, you can have a sucker. They get so excited every single time to get this one little sucker. <laughs> yeah, and then they're off on the train. Yeah, Hermione's talking about how she's gonna drop Marvel studies because she can't stand. Another year like that, and how the time turner was like driving her mad, and without muggle studies and divination, she'll be ha- able to have a normal schedule. So she was only going back for two classes, <laughs> I guess. Yep, I guess. Which it seemed like more than that. It seemed somewhat like so much. I thought more it was than that. three. I thought it was at least three. Cause they had, like potions was with another class, divinations was with another class, like arithmancy was with another, like an, like. I think it was arithmancy and now I was going to say, I think I thought arithmancy was with um, divination, but now I'm starting to wonder if it was with care of magical creatures. I don't know, but it definitely felt like more than just two extra classes. <laughs> so this is just her exam schedule. Except for it doesn't show anything at like the same time, which is not, that's not right. Because it has like, no, it does. Okay. So it has... Arithmancy and Transfiguration at the same time, and Charms and Ancient Runes at the same time, and Muggle Studies and Divination would have been at the same time. So yeah, that's three. But the Muggle Studies and Divination are the one she's dropping, so that frees up two slots. So what it I guess. Mm-hmm. All right. I guess it checks out. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> Ron's still kind of salty about the fact that she didn't tell them that she had this time turner. She's like, I couldn't tell anybody. Um, then they kind of get to talking about holidays and Ron's just like you've got Harry you've got to come stay with us like I'll talk to mom and dad I knew I knew I know how to use a felly phone now a felly phone now yep <laughs> and uh, everybody's just like 
Hella far. You should, honestly, you should take Marvel studies. <laughs> yeah. And then they talk about how, like, it's the Quidditch World Cup, and how Ronstadt can usually get tickets, and so he's just like, alright, you can come over, we'll go to that. And Harry's just like, yeah, they'd probably let me go. Like, they'd be pleased to see me go. <laughs> Especially after what I did to Aunt Marge. <laughs> Which I think is an interesting theory, because, yes... But letting you go would make you happy. So that'd be a real tough struggle for Uncle Vernon. Yeah, it, it would be a, like a big a big kind of debate. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of like decide they play some games before they see something out the window. Something very small and gray. He opens the window and finds it's a tiny owl carrying a letter that was really much too big for it. Yes. <laughs> so he snatches up the owl and brings it inside. And it's a letter from Sirius. <laughs> because we're a... Adorable now. Yes. <laughs> and he kind of talks about, he's like, I really hope this gets to you before you get to your aunt and uncle. I don't know how they do with owl posts. <laughs> poorly. Well, very poorly, yes. He's like, all right, well, Buckbeak and I are in hiding. Obviously, I'm not going to tell you where in case this owl falls into the wrong hands. And then he talks, has, talks about how he has some doubts about the owl's reliability. But he was the best he could find, and he seemed eager for the job. <laughs> Which I think is really good, because at first I was like, um, you were able to get serious, or serious, you were able to get Harry this, like, really nice broom. And then this is the best owl you can come up with. And I was like, wait, hold on. He no longer has Crookshanks' help. Yeah. <laughs> He's on the run. You should be a little bit more compassionate, Michaela. <laughs> yep. And he continues about how they're still looking, the Dementors are still looking for but they don't really have a chance of finding him wherever he's at. And then talks about how he's planning to allow some muggles to see him a long way from Hogwarts so that security on the castle will lighten. Oh good, no dragons. No dragons, yep, which is very sweet of him. He's the, at least someone's thinking about the safety of the children. <laughs> yes. Because it sure isn't the minister. <laughs> Absolutely isn't. And he announces it was him who sent the fireboat. Bolt and Hermione's like, see? <laughs> you know, I told you, and Ron's like, but he didn't jinx it, so we were both right. <laughs> yeah. And he kind of tells us how he did it. Like, he like had Crookshanks take the order to the owl office. Um, it's like, I used your name, but they took the gold from my vault. <sighs> and said, please consider it as 13 birthdays worth, birthdays worth of presents from your godfather. Which I have two points about. Okay. One, 13 presents is the only way that almost starts to sound like a reasonable present. <laughs> but two, he got it as a Christmas present. Why are they 13th bir- 13 birthdays worth of presents? Really, they should be like 26 presents. It should be birthdays and Christmases. And at 26 presents, that seems like a reasonable present. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, so then Sirius goes on and is like, you know what? I need to say sorry for the scare I gave you when you left your uncle's house. I just wanted to kind of get a glimpse of you. But I'm pretty sure I scared you instead. <laughs> and Tuck says that he'll he's also has something else in there for him. And the other thing he has in there for him was permission to go to Hogsmeade. Which I'm like, aww. <laughs> it makes me feel good. And then also but then I'm also just like, but he's not technically like he's not a guard guardian? <laughs> I mean, he's te- technically he should be his legal guardian. Yes. Yeah. who he, like, was, Harry was supposed to go to. Uh-huh. But at the same time, we all know that Dumbledore will just accept it, so. Yes. <laughs> but only Dumbledore. Only Dumbledore. Because everybody else thinks that 
a mass murderer just gave you permission to go into Hogsmeade so they can kill you. Right? <laughs> yep. And then we get a little PS and said that I thought your friend Ron might like to keep this on as it's my fault he no longer has a rat. And I'm just like, serious? Look it up, trio. Like, it's so sweet of him. <laughs> Yeah, and it's awesome. I love it. You know, and then I also love the very next exchange. Like, Ron kind of gets super excited and then shows the owl to Crookshanks and goes, what do you reckon? Definitely an owl. <laughs> yes, and Crookshanks purrs, and it's freaking adorable. And Ron's just like, that's good enough for me. He's mine. <laughs> like, I love how we, like, validated with Crookshanks now that he knows that, like, Crookshanks knows what's up. <laughs> yes. And then we get to back to platform nine and three quarters and we see Vernon. And I love this exchange because I feel like Harry's been plotting this exchange since he found out he had to go back to the Dursleys. Yep. Where uh, they're like, oh, what's that? And Harry's like, oh, it's a letter from my godfather. You know, the godfather who killed a lot of people and broke out of wizard prison. And he's on the run. But he likes to keep in touch with me to make sure I'm happy. Right? Like... Well, that's kind of the exact tone I imagine Harry has. Because he's just like, oh, sure. Well, it's my parents' best friend. Mass murderer. Escaped from prison. <laughs> Very, like, nonchalantly. I also made a note because I was, like, it just kind of made me giggle that he's just, like, very blatantly using these very, like, thinly veiled, like, these thinly veiled threats that aren't really going to go anywhere. Because yep. <laughs> he's in hiding with the the Dursleys don't know that. No, they also don't know that he didn't actually kill anybody, so. Right. <laughs> and then they head home, and Harry says he's off for a much better summer than the last. And that ends the third book. Next week, we're going to hit the movie, and we will probably split that into two parts again. Much like we're going to do with, like we did with this episode. And then we're going to move on to the fourth book and it'll be super exciting. And I hope you guys are having a great week.